Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Twisted Mirror. As usual, a few notes before we start. Content warnings are in the show notes. You can follow Twisted Mirror on Instagram or Facebook. Just type in Twisted Mirror or go to twistedmirrorpodcast.com. Eventually, I'd like to have a group that's more geared towards discussion, but I want to wait until there's enough interest in the Facebook page itself. Oh, And now my rickety bones started a twisted mirror TikTok. So if you're there, I just started posting there. And finally, if you like Twisted Mirror and would like to see the show grow, please share it with people who like the dark side. And as usual, ratings and reviews are always appreciated. Now, on to Fear Farm. You are now staring into a twisted mirror. Webster's Dictionary says greed is... Just kidding. But really, what is greed? Of course, we all know the definition of the word. But in precise terms, how would you define it? Is there a dollar amount or some sort of ratio that defines greed? What is having too much? What is enough? The answer to that likely varies from person to person. One person's greed is another's ambition. And so often, the path to avarice is not a leap, but a series of small steps and rationalizations. Today, inside of the Twisted Mirror, we meet a couple who unapologetically loves money and all the things it affords them. And what it affords them are things most of us could not conceive of. As the Maybach curved along rolling hills, John glanced over at Hilaria. She was physically perfect in every way. Long, dark locks that cascaded down to the small of her back. Skin of a shade permanently kissed by an equatorial sun. Pert and full breasts propped atop a sloping waistline. 
Like the curves of the road, they sloped out again to round hips and an ass that only thousands of squats or dollars could buy. How much of it was given by nature, he wasn't sure of, nor did he quite care. He understood Hilaria, he thought. In fact, in looking for a partner, John scouted a certain type, one who bows to the altar of material things, who first and foremost consumes. He did not judge them for it, in fact. He too loved the material and the expensive. Yachts, wines that cost a year's mortgage to the average American, custom-tailored suits that he often only wore once. He understood that what is most real is what you can see with your eyes and what you can touch, taste, feel. And so, everything about the woman in front of him was real. While not everyone who looks like Hilaria is like Hilaria, John saw it as a clue, one he used before deciding to unwrap what was beneath. And what was underneath that gorgeous shell was this. She loved status. She loved extravagance unapologetically. She loved money so much that she was willing to go places others might find morally objectionable. Her tastes were so expensive, so rare, that they leaned into the exotic. The very exclusivity of the object was what made her most attracted to it. So then, she could post photos and videos of herself on her various social media accounts. She could garner the envy or admiration of others, so that a very photo of her existence triggered a visceral response in others. For some, they wished they looked like her. Others, to fuck her. Others would notice the yacht she's posted on, or the tens of thousands in jewelry she wore. How she obtained these things was irrelevant, because ultimately, on this planet, she is better than you. Better looking, richer, experiencing more, eating finer foods and drink. She is maximizing her carnal experience on this earth. The only one we know with 100% certainty we have. While the rest of you toil away at meaningless jobs, hoping that death will take you to paradise while you waste your time on the very one on which you stand. Hilaria had it all figured out. While John had gotten close to finding someone like Hilaria before, the other woman fell short. She's the one, he thought. When on a trip to a country that will not be named, he invited her to dine on an endangered species which also cannot be named. For the right price, including countless bribes to local officials, they could taste the delicate meat with anonymity and impunity, prepared by a chef who collects Michelin stars the same way some collect stamps at a most exotic locale. 
See, other women, despite their vanity, thought themselves humanitarians or environmentalists as they floated along a gas-guzzling yacht and wore diamonds poor souls had been maimed to mine. There was always a point where they decided they had morals. A bridge too far, so to speak. John didn't respect them for it. They needed to lie to themselves. To convince themselves they are good people. But what Hilaria knew, what made her truly free, was that she understood morality is irrelevant. There is no moral way to exist on this planet. And if there isn't a choice to be truly moral, if every choice you make is a lesser of two evils, which is more evil is usually up for debate, then there is no responsibility to follow such arbitrary rules. Hilaria didn't even bat an eyelash at the prospect of the meal only asking if it would be okay to at least take some photos of the greater trip for her many social media accounts. None on the evening of the dinner, she promised, so as not to have any evidence linking them to the very secret highlight. That evening, they dined and fucked, including some local young women, and one would use the term women very generously, seeing as the definition of that term could change across country or state lines or even depending on how many zeros was in your bank account. Most importantly, Hilaria was discreet. She was the commodity. And why shouldn't she be? Men like John are happy to pay for her company. In a world of CEOs worth billions who cheat and lie and steal, who accumulate money they will never spend, while others starve? Why shouldn't she be able to use her goods to get her piece of the pie? Why should she feel guilty over free apartments and cars and monthly stipends, while the noble slowly wasted their one life away under the oppressively heavy boot of men like John? Oh no. John respected how transparent their arrangement was, how businesslike it could be on the periphery. So long as he kept her happy, and for her, happiness was cars, shopping sprees, vacations, fine dining, trips to salons and cosmetic clinics, she would maintain her professionalism, only using a private burner phone to communicate never revealing the identity of her benefactor, even to her closest friends, and that she kept herself physically clean for him. That is, no sex with men outside of their arrangement. He was clear about this. One breach of his trust, and the tens to hundreds of thousands a month in upkeep would vanish in a snap. And when they were together... She made sure to make him feel like everything about their relationship was as natural as the tuberosa perfume he loved smelling on her skin. Now, John was no chump himself. Like Hilaria, 
His own appearance was important for him too. Sloth disgusted him, for the body is the vessel with which to enjoy earthly pleasures. And so, his regimented body hacking and own personal upkeep had kept him looking quite fit for his 55 years. Hundreds, if not thousands of beautiful women would love to be with him, even without an official arrangement, just for the chance of a life with this handsome, wildly wealthy, well-traveled and cultured man. But this type of thing he and Hilaria had, it was his preference. Because he wasn't just looking for any beautiful Instagram model or famous actress. He was looking for a woman he could take to Fear Farm. John reached over to Hilaria and placed a hand on her bare thigh, just below the hem of her fuchsia strappy mini dress. She always dressed sexy for John. John liked when other men ogled her. He liked having what others could not have. Is everything okay? He asked. Though the arrangement was atypical, he always wanted her to feel attended to, cared for. Hilaria leaned against the window of the vehicle, as if she could look out the windows, but the curtains were drawn so as to disguise to both parties the ultimate coordinates of their final destination. <sighs> yes, I'm, I'm just getting a little car sick. Wherever we're going, the road is winding. John looked down at his vintage Patek Philippe. We're almost there. I'm excited for it, I, I really am, but what if I don't like the meat? He realized the car sickness was a cover for the real issue that troubled her. You may not at first. It can be an acquired taste. But once you develop a palate for it, nothing will match it. Was it for you? John smirked, his thoughts flashing back to the very first bite. No. I have loved every single morsel. He looked into her eyes earnestly, an expression he had learned in many business negotiations. This was a negotiation. They had come this far and he felt she was the one, that she was too special for him to let her back out. Hilaria, the taste of fear True terror is so unfamiliar to our tongues and so hard to attain. We've been told it's disgusting, but that is simply to detract you from ever entertaining it. It is simply another taboo that exists to keep us all in a tight line. But you and I, the rules aren't made for us. We make our own. I promise you, you'll be begging me to come back. By the last sentence, his tone had turned seductive, 
so that even he wasn't sure which meat they were discussing. In the gentle light of the car, he saw her cheeks blush and her pout pucker ever so slightly. Her nipples hardened under the slinky fabric of her dress. The lifestyle turned her on. The thought of never wanting, always having more, that was her aphrodisiac. Hilaria caressed her long fingernails on the knuckles of John's hand resting on her thigh and offered a flirtatious grin. I love going wherever you take me. She began to lean in just as the car slowed and bobbed in a way that indicated they could be off smoother main roads and getting close to their destination. John straightened up. Almost. Hilaria perked up in her seat, looking around, despite still having no view, as the car crept along until it finally came to a smooth halt. The heat John had stoked in her dissipated and was replaced with that uneasy feeling again. John raised his eyebrows and smiled. We're here. The door to the right of a pondering Hilaria opened and startled her. A man as prim and proper as there ever was, donning a dark teal and black tuxedo, leaned down. Welcome, young lady, and welcome, Mr. Rybeck, to Fear Farm. The man reached his hand out for Hilaria, and she accepted, slinking out her stilettoed foot onto the stones of the driveway. My name is Connor, and I will be your host for a most exclusive and unique experience. John caught up with the two. So good to see you, and absolutely thrilled for you to meet Hilaria, Connor. Hilaria had been so distracted by the welcome, she hadn't bothered to notice the stunning... Was it a castle? It sure looked like it. A light snowfall tinkered down but melted upon touching the ground. They were surrounded by lush forest, though she couldn't see if there were mountains as it was already dark. She felt they might be somewhere like the Alps, the way her ears popped every 20 minutes or so during the drive, and how the car almost never seemed to drive in a straight line. She hadn't even been informed of their destination during their private jet ride. Hilaria had access to a place almost no one else on Earth did. Her only grievance was that she could not share it with her followers. This place was almost too exclusive. So exclusive, no one would even know. That was a conundrum in the world she resided, where status reigned. Nevertheless, she was thrilled. You see, Hilaria knew of other girls who partied with millionaires, but she had one of the great white whales. John Rybeck was a billionaire. He had no children, no ex-wife, no baggage. He had always traveled light. One of the most eligible bachelors on the planet, and she had snagged him. Hilaria was always on the hunt 
the bar at Nobu being one of the hot spots. There was always a celebrity or big shot in sight. If you played the odds, you'd catch the eye of one of them. And she had. Numerous times. But Hilaria wasn't your average pretty girl looking for a sugar daddy. She did her research. She knew the real wealth wasn't on the poster of a movie. It was the people who funded them. It was the men who funded and plundered everything. The men who had access to unlimited power. So while her friend Jessa was busy eyeing some wiry comedian from SNL, Hilaria spotted John as soon as he walked in. They locked eyes. And the rest? Well, you know the rest. She could be his companion for years and years to come. The one person he spent his money on. All she had to do was play along. A man like John, so busy with matters of important business, needed someone tractable. She sensed the others before her had failed in that capacity, tied to some weakly defined sense of morality. Why should she care about eating some endangered bird? They weren't endangered because of the one she ate. They were endangered because of the millions of others, just like it, that had died due to encroachment on their habitat by many, many humans who considered themselves good people. Why on earth would Hilaria give up all that for a single bird? A very tender, juicy bird, she might add. Chicken, quail, even duck could not hold a candle to it. Hilaria's gravy train would always chug so long as she went along with his odd hobbies. And maybe if she stayed on long enough, there could be an inheritance down the line. Oh, and surprisingly, the sex wasn't half bad. John offered her the crook of his arm. She rested her head on his shoulder as she drew in a cool, damp breath of air. It woke her up from the wooziness of the long car ride. We have an impeccable feast prepared for you tonight. As always, we slaughter the animal right before preparation, so you can be sure you are receiving genuine fear-based meat at its freshest. Hilaria squeezed John's hand, and he gently squeezed back, soothing her nerves. John looked at Hilaria, and then back at Connor. Go ahead, give us the full walkthrough, as if it's the first time I'm here too. Very well, Connor replied with a nod. He then tilted his gaze towards Hilaria. Popular knowledge indicates that fear ruins the meat of an animal. In some cases, making it tough and flavorless. In other cases, an easily spoiled mush. However, so much of this is simply moralizing, and the inability of the meat industry to profit off of a meat with a shorter shelf life. Not to mention the complications from bureaucrats in trying to run a farm. But man is the ultimate predator. The absolute top of the food chain. And as such, man should be able to have whatever he wants. Man should taste his very dominion over everything on this earth. And so, 
Fear Farm was created. A place where only the most ambitious, the most wealthy, and the most beautiful come to dine. Because, my dear, while all humans reside at the top of the chain, you and your date are at the very top. We only have a handful of clients and a waitlist that could never be fulfilled. You'd recognize many of the names desperate for a seat at this table. You are in rare air, Hilaria. Hilaria's stomach tingled. She had fucking arrived. John had chosen her. Bag grabbed. Final boss defeated. This was a special gift to bring her here. No one else had ever accompanied John Rybeck to Fear Farm. The night before they boarded the plane, they lay in bed and Hilaria was unable to sleep. She begged John to disclose the price of admission. John loved to lavish her, but aside from the obvious unavoidable price tag, he didn't like to discuss prices. For example, she only knew that her apartment cost approximately $20,000 a month after snooping around at comps. But finally, John relented. He explained Fear Farm was a club, an exclusive membership. To keep one spot and maintain the secret staff and grounds was expensive. His membership fee? $10 million per year. However, much like a country club, the meals weren't covered. For their date together at Fear Farm, the cost was $1 million per plate. Hilaria tried to play it cool, but even as someone who had surrounded herself with wealth, the casualness with which he listed those life-changing numbers at first made her queasy. Then, it thrilled her. She mounted John, fucked his brains out, and was finally able to sleep. As the couple proceeded into the grand foyer, Hilaria offered a coy glance to John. A silent thank you. Her heels echoed on the old stone floors as they followed Connor. Hilaria didn't know how old the castle was, but it was old old, as in much older than her home country. A woman snuck up behind Hilaria and John and took their outerwear. Another woman swooped in from the opposite angle with two glasses of champagne, her favorite. 1959, Dom Perignon, by special request, Connor announced. Hilaria's eyes widened, and she nearly dropped her glass. This, this is the one we were talking about? She and John had a conversation months ago about her love of champagne and about the two bottles of 1959 Dom Perignon that had sold for over $84,000 to a mysterious buyer. Not to John, but it seems he had somehow acquired it for this special occasion. John, understated as usual, smiled and nodded. Enjoy. She thought at that moment that John might actually love her. They each grabbed a glass 
and she savored her first sip before following Connor down a cavernous hallway to a wood door, which led to hidden, looping stairs. As they descended, the smell crept into her nose. Dampness. The scent of livestock. Then there was the faint smell of something metallic. Blood. The scent of slaughter. Not the smell she expected for an event exclusive to the richest people on earth. But she had spent some summers on her grandparents' farm, so it didn't faze her much. Nevertheless, she looked back once at John, and he simply reassured her with a nod. At the bottom of the dark winding stairs, she felt hay crush underneath her heel. And then she saw them. Stables. In one was a goat, in the other, a cow. These are your main ingredients tonight, Connor said. This goat here has led a relatively normal life until today, grazing out on our 200-hectare pasture along with our other livestock. But today, we will season it with fear. Casually, he grabbed a butcher's smock from a hook and slipped it over his tuxedo. Normally, one would be quick with their knife. The goat would be dead before it even understood death was imminent. Connor slid his hand in the pocket of the smock. But slitting its throat would leave so much on the table. We wanted to know it's dying. We wanted to know it's the end. Hilario almost missed the knife Connor pulled out of the smock pocket just before he slid it into the hip of the goat. It bleated loudly before he did it again. Hilaria hid her face. She didn't care to see how the sausage was made, and for the first time, she saw something in John's eyes that gave her pause. He was unflinching, even serene as the bleats turned into screams she hadn't ever heard before, even in all her years of visiting her grandparents' farm. The animal's death was prolonged, killed with a strategic assault designed to elicit the maximum amount of terror. Then, the dark dungeon of a stable went silent. Hilaria's hand trembled in John's. Her face turned and tucked into his neck. Are you okay? he asked. Yes, yes, it's just the car sickness, I think. John didn't believe her and was concerned she might not be the one after all. The one who could help him make all of his fantasies become a reality. But he knew better than to push. Hilaria turned back to face Connor, who wiped each side of the wet knife on his smock. Two young men worked on draining the goat's blood, but his attention had already moved on to the cow. He waited for their attention. Now, 
most people are cautioned against acute fear, as we saw with our hooved friend. But there is also chronic fear. Our bovine friend here, a black Japanese cow of the Tajima strain, known to most as Kobe beef, has been raised on a special farm and flown in for tonight. You see, animals that experience long-term stress have historically been thought of as bad meat. The meat gets dark and tender, unfortunately too tender. It becomes mushy and unstable. It doesn't last long in storage. However, after years of perfecting the process, our global network of farms has created a method. We provide the exact amount of stress over a precise amount of time. This takes much attention to detail. We slaughter the animal at prime tenderness before it can turn too dark. What you will experience is the most tender Kobe beef on earth. So tender, some have described it akin to the most flavorful steak you have ever had. With the mouthfeel of the finest melt-in-your-mouth sashimi. John's mouth watered. He had had this beef before, and every other steak after it had paled in comparison. Hilaria looked over at the black cow, huddled in the corner of the stable. It wasn't gaunt. In fact, it appeared well-fed. But there was something in its eyes. Something she had never seen before in an animal of the sort. It was as if it was pleading with her. She didn't know what they did to that cow over its life to instill the precise calculated amount of chronic trauma to tenderize it, and she was sure she didn't want to. Connor grabbed the contraption, one she was familiar with from her summers on the farm. In the case of this rare meat, we do not need to instill any more pain and trauma. She is perfect as she is. John felt Hilaria's firm grip on his hand soften. It appeared Hilaria was relieved the cow's death would be quick. This was okay. He didn't require unbridled glee during the slaughter. What was most important was that they enjoy the upcoming meal together. With a hissing pop, the cow was dead. The death was not as climactic as the goat but what a tender meat her death would produce. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. By the time dinner commenced, Hilaria was lightheaded from the several glasses of champagne she had consumed. Knowing such a unique feast was coming, she hadn't eaten all day, and so her tolerance was lower on an empty stomach. Her and John had a lustful romp, requiring them both to shower and redress, which allowed the time before dinner to pass quickly. She tried not to show it, but she was still nervous. What if she couldn't stomach the meat? What if the supposed splendid flavor was too much of a departure for her palate? Would John dump her? This was his favorite place, and if she was going to put a damper on his experience, he might find someone else more willing. She didn't have too much time to ruminate on her doubts. As only minutes after they sat, the first course was ushered in. For our first course, we have goat cheese and fig steeped in sherry, atop freshly baked and toasted baguette slices. Mildly perplexed, Hilaria glanced at John and then Connor. Is this... Oh no! This goat cheese is not fear-based, but made here at our farms from a goat just like the one you will feast on. In fact, this goat is allowed to pasture in our gorgeous field, and the sherry is created from our vineyard, making for an unparalleled brightness and flavor. The fear-based meats are the highlights of the meal. Despite the long, lavishly carved wood table one would expect in a place like this, John sat adjacent to Hilaria, giving her the seat at the head of the table. An intentional move from a man like him, allowing her to feel in control and a reminder of his unending generosity. Another wildly expensive and perfectly paired wine was poured. Hilaria reminded herself to slow down on the alcohol and focused on the appetizer. Connor was right. She had dined at the best restaurants in the world beside John. And the flavors were just as Connor said. The crisp mountain air had done these goats good. After having a few bites, her nervous stomach settled, and she treated herself to the divinely paired wine. John reached over and wiped away a smudge of goat cheese on the corner of her mouth. His thumb tugged on the corner of her lips, in a way that, had they not been at the meal, might have prompted her to take his thumb in her mouth and fuck him right at the table. She didn't know he had smudged her lipstick slightly, and that it was a secret source of humor for him to not inform her for the rest of the meal. Connor re-entered the dining room with his staff holding the next course. An elevated Jamaican manish, as he called it, a.k.a. goat soup. 
her first fear-based bite was minutes, if not seconds, away. The mystery chef's proprietary method was supposed to work with the flavors of a frightened animal's meat. But it was hard for her to believe it, despite John's assurances and Connor's presentation. Connor seemed to understand her desire for an intimate experience and quickly removed himself and his staff from the room. John, however, wanted to savor the moment. He wanted to watch as she took the first bite. Hilaria took a deep breath and straightened out the napkin on her lap. She took one last look at John. He grinned, mischief flashing in his eyes. Hilaria reached for the soup spoon and dipped it in, collecting a chunk of meat in what looked like pumpkin. She lifted the steaming spoon to her lips and took her first fear-based bite. The broth danced in her mouth, the tender pumpkin melting before she could even swallow. But it was the flesh that ignited her palate last and lingered. The pungent taste of goat was familiar, but there was something else, something she could not identify. She didn't have the words in her vocabulary for the flavor. Instantly, her appetite blooms like a flower. She lost sight of John, and all desire to remain perpetually prim and perfect a constant object of his sexual desire, became irrelevant. She felt savage. Instead of small sips, she retrieved heaping spoon after heaping spoon from the bowl and had to do everything in her power to contain herself from lifting it to her mouth and letting the juices drip down her vintage Versace dress. Oh, and how the wine complemented the flavors of the fear-based goat meat. How complex and new the intermingling flavors were. Every bite, she would recognize a new highlight as the multifaceted flavors crested and fell along her tongue like powerful waves. She was powerless to them. It was only when she had reached the bottom of the bowl that she even thought to look up at John. He had also finished his. So you do have a taste for it, he said, his face gleaming with a sort of pride. She was the one. Hilaria was a little embarrassed at how she had lost herself for a second. So much of her life was about the excesses and deprivation of food. She constantly had to balance access to meals and drink while having the body of someone who didn't. Endless diets, workouts, and surgeries kept the impossible illusion going. Her and John were people of excess and of control, and that was a hard line to balance. She raised her napkin and patted her mouth. I I'm sorry, I... John reached over and tenderly stroked her hair. He loved that her lipstick was even more smudged along her jaw. No, no, 
That's why we come here. That's why we pay top dollar. These flavors, they make you a little animalistic. They feed our deepest gastronomical desires. It's okay to lose yourself. A little shaken, Hilaria replied. It was... I can't describe it. It was... Incredible. I, I couldn't even control myself. And of the billions of people on this earth, we are part of a handful of people who will ever know such an experience. Maybe the closest thing would be a person who is truly starved to the bone who comes upon a feast. Unfortunately, it would be their last one. Normally, Hilaria, to feed a hunger that deep, that quickly, that richly, would kill a person. Though, I could see how one would be willing to take the risk. He chuckled. The main course was delivered. Two massive bloody steaks. A creamy polenta with morel mushrooms and roasted asparagus, all sourced from the farm. Just the smell of the beef reignited that bottomless primal hunger. They each dove into the steaks with no hesitation. Though John indulged all his senses, watching her destroy the flesh while he dined. With apprehension set aside and knowing John was actually delighted to see her gorge herself on this night, Hilaria eagerly cut the blade of the knife into the steak. The tenderness, the way that the red juices squirted and pulled out from under the weight of the blade, incited a flood from her salivary glands. She barely had to press down on the knife. The meat was so tender. Just the gentle back and forth motion, twice or thrice, was enough to cut clean through the thick chunk of meat. She stuffed it into her mouth and moaned at the explosion of meaty, juicy, savory steak. It melted against her tongue, almost like the pumpkin she had consumed earlier. This course, her and John worked together, feeding each other from their own plates. And with full mouths, they moaned and laughed and rolled their eyes in carnal pleasure. Hilaria had a passing thought cross her mind. How she knew this cow had to have endured an entire life of stress and suffering for her to have this otherworldly combination of textures and flavors. But her present experience was so overwhelming, so pleasurable, she could not offer an ounce of remorse. The cow was dead now. So what difference did it make? What good did hand-wringing and guilt do? What had Puritan ideals done for her mother but leave her broken alone? To both of her parents, in fact. What had living a simple, noble life done other than wear them down to the bone so that they barely had any money for retirement and looked and felt so much older than their years. She had seen what being good had done, what following the rules had gotten them. 
What rewarded humility and a modest life? Unpaid bills? Depression? Dreams deferred? When she left her small town years ago, she vowed to never be like them. Too weak to suck the marrow out of life. Sitting at home and making excuses for why they were so ordinary. Convincing themselves that sitting in a pew every Sunday would get them to paradise someday and give their earthly ennui some meaning. That their shortcomings in this life were someone else's fault. Hilaria told herself that we were no different than the animals that we slaughtered and that you had to take what you wanted. The peak of her beauty, her most precious asset, would only last so long and she had no time to wait for humanity to come together and sing Kumbaya. She would make her paradise here. The uneasiness that snuck through the rationalizations was a small price to pay for the spoils she enjoyed. After all, how much different was this cow's suffering from the millions of cows forced into factory farming that so many feasted on daily? Sure, what was inflicted may have been targeted and prolonged, but at least there was no pretending here that it wasn't the case. In fact, through the very acknowledgement of the pain and suffering, of consuming the flavors of agony, they paid homage to a cow who lived a nightmarish life to ultimately end up at this table. In fact, Hilaria had never appreciated a meal as much as the one in front of her. She could feel each cell in her body vibrating with energy, soaking up the nutrients from the fear-based meat. There was something deep and previously untapped that had been awakened by the meat. The crimson 1947 Cheval Blanc dripped down the sides of her mouth as its rich and mildly sweet aroma cut through and enhanced the flavors of the meat. Hilaria skated the last piece of meat on her plate, grabbing as many of the juices as she could onto the last bite. She was so utterly satisfied, and yet so sad for the meal to be over. John watched her, so pleased to see her have such a full-throated enjoyment of the meal. He was glad she didn't try to hold back, and neither did he. Her red lipstick had now traveled all over the lower half of her face. The red wine stained her neck. She looked like a stunningly beautiful vampire. He watched and waited for his favorite part. He knew that in her gut, she wanted to do it. He knew too well how every ounce of flavor begged to be consumed. Come on, he said, lifting his plate. This table doesn't follow the same rules. We must not let the suffering go to waste. Hilaria watched tentatively as he licked the plate, giving her permission to do what she had already been thinking. She followed suit, sliding as much of her tongue as she could muster along the pink juices of her plate 
until it looked like it had come straight out of the dishwasher. Finally, she felt complete. With every last morsel and drop gone, nothing was left to tempt her. The meal was over and she could properly move on. Hilaria fell back against her seat with a contented sigh and watched John watching her. He too looked drunk with pleasure, but it seemed just as much from observing her as from the feast itself. What struck Hilaria was that while she was satisfied and had eaten perhaps four to five times what she normally would have, she did not feel heavy or bloated with food. Perhaps another quality of the fear-based meat, she thought. I wonder what's for dessert, she asked, her head cloudy from the booze. There's another course before dessert. John responded. Hilaria tried to contain her excitement, hoping for another dish with the fear-based beef. A shepherd's pie, perhaps? She didn't turn around when the door to the dining room opened behind her. She was too relaxed from all the wine. She didn't even dare to clean her face and neck. In fact, she thought Connor, who took so much pride in his work here at the farm, would take it as a compliment. She smiled back at John with excitement for what was to come. Except instead of Connor and his servers rounding towards the table with a fresh course, she felt firm hands grip each of her arms. The adrenaline from the shock instantly shot her out of her debaucherous stupor. What are you doing? she asked, trying to wrest her arms out of the vice-like grip. That's when she noticed these weren't the usual servers, but younger men. Just beside the man on her left stood Connor, wearing his butcher's smock again. John? She looked over to him, terror engulfing her face. He still had that smile, that perfectly satisfied smile, though now, she read it as smug. John sat back in his chair, crossed one leg over the other, and leaned towards one of the armrests. He looked away from her, up to Connor, and gave him the slightest nod, gesturing with one of his hands as if to give his sign of approval. She looked up at Connor, who pulled out the same blade he used to slaughter the goat, except it had been polished and glimmered in the evening lighting. In a sudden cold flash, Hilaria realized what was to come, but she couldn't quite believe it. It was too much to process too quickly. She would be the next course. Had they not had good times together? Had John not thought of her fondly? This couldn't really be happening. He wouldn't do this to her. They were the same. Perhaps even soulmates, if not in the conventional sense. She had done everything he asked of her. 
didn't that earn her some kind of loyalty? John? John? What is going on? The hands lifted her out of the seat, and she fought desperately to get them off of her. John, please don't. Make them stop. She hoped this was his idea of a cruel prank. Someone laid out a plastic tarp. She screamed and kicked as they dragged her over to it. John! John, please! Why? I don't understand. Surely, he could have done this to anyone. His resources could afford the best human traffickers. John did feel she was owed some sort of answer. This was nothing personal. He had no hard feelings against her. In fact, he chose her specifically because she was special in a way. I have dined here so many times and my palate has evolved. I have tried so many meats. The rarest even. And yet, there was one I have yet to experience. I like to watch my fear-based meats be slaughtered. It's part of the experience, and I have no doubt that you will be a fine meal, seasoned to perfection with terror. The stress of betrayal, the sprinkling of regret, and coursing through your veins is the finest fear-based meal I have had to date. I needed someone who would come here. Someone who would eat the meats alongside me. You are marinating in their terror. On some level, you must understand. After all, you did come here. You... You did dine here, knowing the terror these animals suffered. But this meal was worth it. The lifestyle was worth it. And like you, I have exquisite tastes. Rare tastes. Exclusive tastes. And there will be nothing more exclusive than this next course. We can find someone else. I can help you. I can be your partner, and then we can get as many girls as you like. Hilaria wasn't sure if she meant it, but she knew for now. She had to say whatever she could to save her own life. Later, she could figure out what was truly required to stay alive. John thought she might offer that. In fact, he had played over in his head what he might say. He had considered it, briefly. But the truth was, he had always liked to work alone. He built his empire alone and never married. He knew sooner or later things would sour, or that she would go back on her promise and complicate things. It was better to start fresh every time, to keep things within the small inner circle of Fear Farm. Hilaria. It will be painless. I made sure of that. Hilaria sobbed and continued to resist. She looked him straight in the eyes. Her tear-soaked stare was the most earnest, the 
that he had seen from her. John, I'm begging. The blade cutting across her throat was just slow enough for her to know that it was over. That she would die and her body would be consumed at the table in front of her. Her flesh was infused with one final cocktail of fear hormones. She would be delicious. They collected the blood that oozed from her throat, steeped in hundreds of thousands of dollars in wine. It would make an excellent sausage. Which was what was next on the menu. John sat at the table the day after the much-anticipated slaughter, enjoying a decadent ragu, with Hilaria being the main ingredient. He usually liked to make a weekend, at least, out of his excursions to Fear Farm. After all, he couldn't eat all the meat in one sitting. The sausage yesterday was even better than he could have imagined, and this ragu was no different, sitting atop a bed of handmade pasta. Much to his delight, it was confirmed that she was the 1,000 squats type, which made for a decadent meat. As usual, he cleaned his plate. He wasn't sure before their arrival to Fear Farm if this would be a one-time thing, but now that he had had a taste, he knew she would not be his last. A light sorbet was brought out for dessert as John had requested. After all, he had to watch his weight. He was done after a few bites and removed his napkin from his lap. He rang a bell, as he always loved to give his compliments before leaving the table. As the door opened, John began his praises. Connor, another indescribable meal. The hairs stood all over his body as Connor came into view, wearing a butcher's smock accompanied by two very large men. What the fuck is this? He shouted as he stood, eyeing the room for an exit. Connor waited a few seconds for it all to sink in. The men split and walked to each side of the table, flanking John and blocking his escape. Is this a joke? I'm one of your best customers. 10 million a year, millions on plates. This is so fucking unprofessional. I'll have this whole place raised to the ground. The men took their opportunity to nab him. John didn't understand. He was so used to winning, so used to getting what he wanted. He couldn't even recognize when he had already lost. You have been a great patron of this establishment. But as you know, we have a limited number of spots. There is always someone more powerful, someone richer, and we have a long waiting list. Your spot is already filled. How much? How much do you want me to pay? I'll do 20 million. Fuck it, 100 million. There was no problem he had faced that his money couldn't solve. The question was only how much? Connor responded with the faintest smile. 
John wondered, who could it be? Who had the kind of money he couldn't touch? Some oil prince? An oligarch? Had several of them pooled their resources? That made sense. After all, their value would not only be in dollars, but the kind of protection those types of connections could afford. A billion! John shouted as the tarp twisted and crinkled under his feet. Your persistent ingestion of fear farm products, from chicken to beef, ostrich, lion, frankly, too many to list. And just recently, the ultimate game, the forbidden flesh, means you will be the perfect fear-based meat, the rarest of delicacies. We set a new record for the price of a plate here at Fear Farm. You motherfucker! John shouted. A burst of adrenaline allowed him to put up one final fight. Loosened slightly from the grip of the men, he was able to twist enough to see it. In a dark corner sat a man. It was only for a second that he laid eyes on him, and he could only see his lower legs and shoes as he lurked in the shadows. You sick son of a bitch! he yelled, trying to arch his head back to the man who purchases meat. Connor walked up slowly to John, his knife glinting in the low light of the dining room. Do you feel it? Your heart beating faster? The sweat pouring down your brow? That sickly feeling in your stomach? Ah, ah, the delicious seasoning of sheer terror. What a meal you will make. John could never be sure if Connor enjoyed this. He always thought of him as someone who saw all this purely as business and that his words to Hilaria and now him were just to elicit more fear for the purposes of a more savory meat. In a strange way, John understood. This was the world he chose. The one he accepted. The one he helped maintain. The one where he bought and hacked up companies to bits. The employees and their retirement funds be damned. So that he could obtain his lucre. Where he consumed and acquired more and more while employees of the companies he invested in could barely afford their insulin or rent. He had acquired more money than anyone could spend in several lifetimes. More experiences. The best food, women, wine, properties. Eventually, it arrived to the point where obstacles didn't exist much longer. Until... Each win had to be a little bigger. Every experience, a bit more extravagant, a bit more rare and exclusive. He thought of what he had always told the people he trampled in his path. That there would always be bad times. And if it wasn't him pirating the loot, then someone else would. This was the game of life, 
the only life he was certain of, the one from which he had to suck out every last ounce of carnal pleasure. That we all had to hurt people directly or indirectly to get what we wanted out of life. And the difference between him and them was that he was willing to admit that to himself. As the blade touched his throat, there was fear, rage, hopelessness, all the human emotions one would expect. John was human, after all. But the thought that rose above all the others, the one that lingered at the fore of his consciousness until the room went dark, was that he was angry he had lost, that he had been outwitted, that he hadn't thought of this himself, and that there was someone else who would be able to experience an even more delectable meat than he ever had.